Hallelujah. Before our children slip out, would you do me a favor and everybody be seated just for one second? I want you to be seated so, I can sh so we can see something. Now that you've been seated, on every person in the room that's 30 years old or younger, just stand up. 30 years old or younger. Every one of you, kids, that's why I kept you here. I want them to see you too. If you're under 30 years old, stand up. Now I want you to look around. If we don't bring the church back to the book of Acts, they don't stand a chance. I want moms and dads, grandparents, I want you to see, 30 years old and younger, a generation, that's a generation that's never seen a move of God to any, to, to any real degree. This is a generation that's never seen a move of God. And if we don't get back to the book of Acts, they won't. And they don't stand a chance. I'm not willing to sacrifice one, not one, not for the church schemes, for religious agendas, not for any denominational headquarters, not for any politician, in the church or out of the church. Everybody thinks the politicians are in Washington. The worst of our politicians are at leading the churches. Look around. What did you see? They have to see. A book of Acts, move of God. That's, that's the only answer. It's the only answer. It's the only answer. Thank you, kids. Y'all can head out to Mag Kids. Thank you, worship team. It's the only answer. There's no more powerful demonstration of that reality than you to see what we're talking about. The people that we're talking about. We're going to turn to two places this morning. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Chapter 2, just one verse, and then Acts chapter 2. Beginning in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Jeremiah chapter 2. Lest anybody wonder. Acts, the book of Acts is the founding documents of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you want to know anything about an organization, or an, you should go look at their founding documents. If you want to know who the United States is and supposed to be, go look at our founding documents. We've forgotten those. If you want to know who an organization is of any kind, go look and see what their founders, who they were and what their intentions were, what they wrote down, what they put on paper, what is the model. We have long ago forgotten that the book of Acts is the foundation documents of the church. The church was born, if you will, in Acts chapter 2. You call it the day of Pentecost, and they call people that follow this models today, they call them Pentecostals. That's our name. That's our name. That's our name. Pentecostal can mean a lot of things in a lot of places depending on where you live. In Arkansas, Pentecostal generally means that you were Assembly of God or, or Church of God or something along those lines. In South Texas, it likely means something more like oneness Pentecostalism of, of United Pentecost or, or apostolic denominations of some type. Those are our names. I need you to understand something with me this morning. The book of Acts and the Acts chapter 2 experience and on was not denominational. It's God's plan and his intent for his church. Thank you, Brandon and Neil. The book of Acts is God's plan for his church. And the further we have gotten away from God's plan, the more the church and the society and the world has paid the cost. Church growth gurus, every book but the book, wackadoodle extremist preachers that with the, all these extreme manifestations that have no bearing in the book. Hey, when, when the Spirit of God comes into a room, there's no telling what might happen, but it will be in line with the book. His intended plan was that the church operate in power that comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that made us a candidate for the empowerment of the Spirit of God. Look at me and hear me this morning. If you're a born-again believer, this is God's plan. I don't care if you've flown under a Baptist flag, under a Methodist flag, under an Assembly of God flag, whatever flag. If you, if you are a blood-bought child of the living God, this book was for you and is for you. What a shame that most of the church world has allowed theologians, if you will, and so-called scholars to eliminate the power element of the church. 
When Paul wrote to Timothy, he talked about that time. We reference there quite often because that is the time we're living in, that perilous time. When it said that people would be always learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth, we have more knowledge than we've ever had in human history. You have the libraries of the world in your pocket, literally. We have more knowledge than ever before, but struggling with coming to the knowledge of truth. He talked about a time when the people would have a form of godliness, but would deny the power of God. What's the power of God? Somebody tell me. The power of God is the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, having a form of godliness, they deny the power thereof. And he gave a command. He said, from such, run. But instead of running, we've embraced. God never intended to have a powerless church. up against the powers of darkness, against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He never intended for his church to be powerless. Joel prophesied it. In Acts chapter 2, it was introduced in reality. In the early 1900s, the Reformation came to a culmination in another great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you'll never convince me that Azusa wasn't the culmination of the Protestant Reformation. Oh, it's not a Protestant versus Catholic thing. That's ridiculous. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and what was intended. That system of religion is so perverse that it's not even kin to what's written in this book. But I tell you, lest you swell up in pride across the, the church world today, what we are becoming is so perverse and foreign to this book that it doesn't, that it's not even, you can't even, it barely resembles who we're supposed to be. I had a generation stand because we've had a generation that didn't. I was reading through the book of Judges, and began to read, and I re began to see and read about after Joshua, that there was a generation that died in the wilderness out of disobedience, remember, when they come out of Egypt. There was a generation that saw and was led by the very presence of God with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that was provided for every provision by the hand of God for 40 years, that I see Joshua that led them into the promised land and saw great conquering 
uh, of driving the, the Canaanites out of the land. He was a great conqueror because of obedience to God. And you get to Judges where Joshua is now dead and a generation is coming to power that never had to fight, that didn't remember Egypt, that didn't remember God's provision, that everything that, that, they, that, that they conquered and they found peace in their land and now they were at a place where they had never seen the things that their ancestors testified of. Very similar. We lost our testimony and refused to stand. Listen to me, Acts chapter 2, let's read. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and set on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. As the Spirit gave the utterance. There's a lot of foolish things going on in the church today in back rooms where preachers are teaching people. It's as the Spirit gives the utterance. And then there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. Who was it for? Every nation under heaven. And, the sound, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. I want to tell you, Pentecost has a sound. And when there's the sound of Pentecost anywhere, people will find it. People will come to it. Hear me again this morning lest you misunderstood. You tune in late or you're here and you're just now tuning in. We're not talking about denominations. We're talking about what God's plan was for his church. The church. All of us. When the sound occurred. Listen, I've been to places when I knew from the parking lot that the power of God was in the house. I have literally, I've been in places on the parking lot and when the front doors open, you know, because maybe I was running late and the front doors open and you could hear the place from the parking lot. And I remember thinking, whoo, God's in here. He's already here. When God's in somewhere, there, it has a sound. There's already been a sound of heaven in the room today. The change, have you noticed that it changes everything? Have you noticed that it changes everything? See, it's not the sound of a style. We've been arguing over style all of my life. It's not a style, it's a substance. A tangible presence. Something that changes everything. It'll make people run to or run from. Holy, all people scare me, baloney. You're not scared of nothing. You fought three people bigger than you at the bar two nights ago. You wasn't afraid. You'll go back next week. You went and watched every satanic, devil, hellish, demon-possessed, supernatural movie you can get your hands on. You're not afraid. You either accept or you reject. 
That's what's really happening. Because when you step into that presence of a holy God, when he makes yourself known in a place and, you, and the presence of a God fills a place, you will either run to the throne room and bow or you will run in rebellion and claim those people are crazy. You're not, you're not afraid. Give me a break. Church people will get their feelings hurt over how somebody looked at them. But they'll keep going back to that restaurant that treats them like a dog every time they walk in just because they like their chicken fried steak. Well, somebody preach. When the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one another, Look, not all of the, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judah and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, what could this mean? It's still the question when people step into, into a place where the manifest presence of God is. What could this mean? And others mocking. See, there's always been others. There's always been others saying these are full of new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. That doesn't sound like a preacher that's ready to back up, does it? You know, the same guy that says, I don't know him. The same guy that, that couldn't tell the little girl around the campfire that she even knew who he was. Same guy, 50 days later. Same guy said, let this be known to you. And heed my words. You know what he was saying? Listen up. Because I got something to say. These are not drunk as you suppose. Since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I like King James there. King Peter says, but this is that. Which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And here's what Joel said. This is what I'm talking about. That's why I had him stand. Hear me. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. I want you to notice something. It didn't say I will pour out my spirit. It says I will pour out of my spirit. It wasn't a one-time event on the day of Pentecost. It's a continual flow because there's no exhausting the, the, the portals of heaven. There's no exhausting the power of the Spirit. It was for then and it's for now. I will pour out of my Spirit. When is the last day starting right there? Why? How do I know? Because he said, this is that. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh, 
your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. By the way, have I said your sons and your daughters shall prophesy? Throw away your denominational garbage that excludes the female gender from the ministry of the word. Throw it away. Throw it away. Throw it away. You're going to come talk to me about, Paul said that women should be silent in the church and that women should not exercise authority over the man and I'm going to take you to through the whole book and show you where God used women all the way through it and tell you to go do some study and find out what was going on in that church that Paul said in that situation, you need to be quiet. Because there is no systematic elimination of women in the Bible. I'll take you all the way back to, to Deborah, who was a prophetess that saved Israel from their enemies. I'll take you back to a woman at a well before the cross that went and evangelized a whole town and they come to God. I'll take you back to the garden whenever on the day after the resurrection that the women met him at the tomb and they were the first to go back to the apostles and say, he is risen. And I will take you back to an Old Testament prophecy and a New Testament fulfillment that says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You've got to deal with it all, denominational foolishness. You don't, get to, you don't get to pick here and pick there. You've got to reconcile what the whole book says. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. It means shall preach, shall proclaim. On my men servants, and by the way, on my maid servants. That's women again. I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming and great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever, somebody say it, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever will, Calvinist, Whosoever. You say, you go after people all the time. No, I don't. You're mistaken. I go after what's true with the Word of God, and I'll go after what's false that man invented. I don't put anybody in. I don't take anybody out. If there's a heretic preaching crazy heretic, I'll name you by name. But bad doctrine is just that. It's bad doctrine. Men of Israel. Hear these words. Hey, you know what the scripture preaches? Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves also know, him being delivered and determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands. You have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I, for, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he was in my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. 
For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And you will have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely. Yes, we're going through all of it because it's important. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and in his tomb with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that, his, that the fruit of his body according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on the throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of, of Christ and his soul was not left in Hades nor his flesh to see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, of which you are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, being received of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? It's the promise of the Father. Who's it for? All who believe. He poured out this, which you now, when? Now, see and hear. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make the enemies, your enemies, my footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He has to be your Lord and your Christ. He's, your, he's not just your Savior. He's your Lord. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It was a personal, I want you to understand something about what I just read, that maybe it's lost, maybe it's just words on a page to you. But he was preaching to an audience that it was a literal, personal affront, what he just said. That this Jesus that you rejected, that you killed, that you crucified, he was the one and you did it. This Jesus, whom you crucified, he said, let it be known. Then he said to them, repent, every one of you, for the remission of sins. That you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and that you shall receive the gift. What is it? It's a promise and a gift. For the promise is unto you and your children and all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. Who's the promise for? For you. For your children. Let me, on this Sunday morning, lay in foundations. You've heard it before if you've been here any length of time, so I'm going to tell you again. The denominational error that says that the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit were for the first generation of Christians and for nobody else is laid bare in one scripture. There's more than one, but in this scripture, that doctrine is laid out flat. It says, for the promise, what's the promise? Is unto you. That was the immediate audience. That's who he was speaking to. That was, that was the audience on the day of Pentecost that Peter was speaking to. The promise is unto you. Then he said, and your children. That, those, and your children took it past the age of the apostles. And if you know anything about Jewish culture, you know that and your children is not just 
your, ki- your, chi- your, your children, your, your immediate offspring. From the time of Abraham, from the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, Israel, right? Are you with me? What were they known as? The, the seed of Abraham, the children of Israel for generations and generations. Are you, you ain't even hearing me. The promise is unto you and your children. Even those who are afar off, it didn't mean those that are not on this side of Jerusalem that they're, they're, they're down at Jericho. It could have meant them, but that's not what he was talking about. Those who are afar off in time and in distance. Even as many as the Lord your God. I'm giving you the blueprint this morning for a generation that's in trouble. I'm giving you, a, I'm giving you the blueprint. I'm giving you the answer this morning that a church has to get back to the book of Acts. That it is God's plan. It's God's plan. It's his only plan. It's the right plan. And and with many other words, they testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. I'm getting ready to lay something down here in just a second. I've been building all this time to get here. It said, and and then with many other words, they testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this what? Perverse generation. Then those who received his word were baptized. For the, and then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day were added 3,000 souls to them. Listen to verse 42. Listen to verse 42. Are you ready? And they continued steadfastly. That word's very important. And they continued steadfastly. What? In the apostles' doctrine. Which apostle? The one you just heard from. Peter. What doctrine? The one he just taught you. That the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was through Jesus Christ whom they crucified that was made both Lord and Savior and that the promise of the Father was for, first for you and for your children and all those who are far off, even as many as the Lord they call. said, and they continued steadfastly. That word steadfastly, Brandon, means that there was opposition that came against it. If I'm going to stand steadfastly in anything, that means I have determined and I've made up my mind that I am planted, that I, am, that I put my foot down, that I am not moving, that when, it come, when things come against me, I'm going to go against it. Whenever, whenever somebody disputes the doctrine, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And we, think, we come in the church world today where we want the blessings of God, but we don't want doctrine. Where we want God's, we want the good things of God, but we won't want to change. Where we want, where I talked about it in Sunday school this morning, where we want, we want to teach what is true, but we don't want to oppose what is false. And they're both, and they're, and they're both part of preaching. They're both part of li- godly living. They're both part. It says they continued, they didn't stop. 
steadfastly. That means that there was constant, go read the rest of the book of Acts, there was constant opposition. And it came immediately. The opposition came immediately. See, it was whenever the people got, were, were, had a baptism of power and 3,000 people were converted in a day, it was right then that the Jewish government and the Roman government started calling them in and started beating them and saying, don't preach in that name. They brought them in twice, and, then, and, one, and one of my favorite things is they brought them in, and Peter, it says, and Peter, being full of the Holy Ghost. You remember Peter that couldn't say to the damsel, I know him? He's Peter now before the rulers of the nation, and it says, and now Peter, being full of the Holy Ghost, stood up and said... It's a difference maker. It's the difference maker. It's what will take a coward and make him an evangelist. It's what will take an introvert and cause him to stand up and without blinking and, and give the word of God and stand for what's true. For far too long, the church world, including the full gospel church world, has preached this precious gift as optional. When God never, it was never God's option. It was God's plan. Was and is. It's not God's option. It is God's plan. For every believer, somebody say every one of them, that means your Baptist memo, it was God's plan. That means for your Methodist uncle, it is God's plan. That means for you've been in an Assembly of God church for 40 years and you've never stepped into the fullness of God, it was God's plan for you. When you step out of God's plan, you get the results of being out of God's plan, which is not much. It's not much. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and breaking bread and prayers. And a fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They would like you to believe that we have a generation that's different than any generation before. Don't act like y'all don't know that. Do y'all not watch the same news I watch? Listen to the same so-called preachers I listen to that tells you, this generation don't understand this because you didn't tell them. You know why this generation doesn't understand this or this or that or that? Because you didn't tell them. Hello, Mag Church. Hello, Mag Church. We got a generation that thinks everything has to be rebuilt and redone that... Explain to me why else that all of a sudden that we don't even know what's a boy and a girl. That's not a political hot button. I mean, it is, but it shouldn't be. That's not a go-to for the preacher. That is an illustration of how far we came to it, that we forgot that we have not given people the truth of God's word and stood in the power of God and, and told that everything must be filtered through this book, not through, not through the politicians, not through the schoolhouse, not through the educators, not through the scholars. Not, you say, you're against education. No, I'm not. 
You couldn't read if you didn't have an education. I'm against anything that opposes this book. And then we wonder how we got here. When it's so foundational that for 6,000 years of human history, we've known what a marriage was. Now we have a generation that says it should have never been that way. When last week, the, pre the First Lady of the United States awarded a man the Female of the Year Award. We laugh at that, we scoff at that, we scorn at that, when what we ought to be doing is rising to our feet and making our presence known all over the country. But we sit here, we shake our head, we make our funny jokes, we send our memes, and they keep marching. And in the meantime, all those that we have stood see mom and dad and grandma and grandpa doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. What's the answer? A people that will get back to the book. A people that will, see, that will walk in the power of the Spirit. Hear me. We believe in the word. Say, hey, we believe in the word. But the old saying, you know it is, if we're all word and no spirit, you'll dry up. And then there's the other extreme today. We've swung back the other way in much of the church. They're all spirit and no word. You'll blow up. But when you have the spirit and the word, you'll grow up. And they want you to believe that, oh, it's a new day. It's a new generation. Y'all never had it right in 6,000 years. Think about it, of human history. We've got it wrong for 6,000 years. Aren't you glad they came along? When Solomon said, what? There's nothing new under the sun. Way back in Jeremiah, he defined it. See, the more people change, somebody help me. I'll say it again. The more people change, the more they stay the same. Can I read you Jeremiah chapter 2 real quick? Verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people. Who's he talking to? Have committed what? You know that God's people can commit evil? For my people have committed two evils. What were they? They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And they've hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That's how we've got where we're at. It's always been about living water. When the, when the children of Israel came to the, the bitter waters of Marah, the prophet cut down a tree. He applied the cross to the bitter waters. 
and it became fresh and living. When Jesus met a woman at a well for a drink, he offered living water. When the children of Israel were wandering in the desert with nothing to drink, Moses struck a rock and it gushed forth life, living water. You've forsaken me, the fountain. What did he say when the, what did John, in Jesus and John's gospel tell you that when the Holy Spirit comes, it says, out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers. Somebody hear me. He said, when you've had the promise of the Holy Spirit, out of your belly shall flow rivers of what? Living water. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And today, we have hewn for ourselves every church growth program that's ever been created that was outside of the book of Acts was a hewn cistern. Every program that a man could run that brought you to, to try to bring you to church and to God a different way. Well, it was to bring you to church. It never brought you to God. It was a broken cistern that cannot hold water. Let me tell you something. A cistern is a water storage without a source. A cistern is just to catch the runoff of the freshness that's already happened. A cistern has no inflow. And when it's closed up, it has no outflow. My grandma had a cistern up on that hill in Carbon City, Arkansas. And in the spring, when the rains would come, you could almost drink out of it. It was clear. But you give it about two months, and it'd be full in the middle of the July, and you could water your garden up. But you open the top of it, I'm going to tell you what it did. It stunk. It was nasty. It was usually full of bullfrogs and dead rats. Because it had no outflow. It's not enough to hold the water. We were never meant to hold the water. You want to know why we, that, we, that, we're, that we're up against the wall? It's because the church is backed into the corner and we're trying to hold the water. Instead of being a, a torrent, a, a, a torrential flow of living water. What did, it, what did the, the prophet say? He said, I waded out ankle deep. And I waded up to my loins. And it says, before, there was a river flowing from the, from the, from the temple, from, out, from under the threshold. It says, I waded out to my ankles, and I waded out to my loins. He says, then I waded out a little further, and, he gave, and I was in water to swim in. It was a, it's, a, it's supposed to be a torrential flow of, of life constantly. Oh, I can't preach it in. I can't bring you in here week after week and give you the truth if we don't get in the river. I can't keep battling against denominational pride and denominational foolishness in a, in a church world that wants, that, that wants to shake their head and their fist and what's going on around them but they don't want to get off of their blessed assurance and get into a prayer closet and get into the Word and be hungry for the flow of the Spirit. Be hungry in your life. I can't do it for you. 
I can't cause you to be to want to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't cause you to want to be in the Word. I can I can talk and I can preach all day long, but if you don't stop the garbage in our homes and stand up and be moms and dads and stand up and say no and stand up and say thus saith the Lord. Yes, every day, every day, every day. What day do you get off? No day. What time do you get to stop preaching? Never. Church, I can't make us be hungry. And I can't make us be thirsty. All I can do is hunger and thirst after righteousness and preach the truth and lead you in a way that you get thirsty. And all I can do is be salty. That's why we're salt and we're light. All I can do, Dalton, all you can do ever is to shine the light and be salty, 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 salty. Because if I, I can't make you be thirsty, but if I'm salty enough, you'll get thirsty. Salty. You say, I'd say that sometimes. Oh, I was preaching this morning. It's a little salty. And then I think, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Salty. We got to. Mag. At 11.59, I didn't come to reprimand. I come to just tell the truth. I come to preach the gospel. I come to bring you back to the book of Acts, and I'm going to tell you that, the, that we have got, we begin to see some drain, we begin to see some spiritual rain in mag, but it's just a few drops, and you can't be satisfied. You cannot be satisfied. I cannot be satisfied. If you're looking for a place, if you're looking for a nursing home church, you're in the wrong place. If you're looking for a place to be unchallenged and not get spit on, you're in the wrong place. If you're looking for a place that won't call, call holy, holy and, and filthy, filthy, you're in the wrong place. If you're in a place that you're looking for to casually make your way into heaven, I'm not sure you're going to get there to begin with because I don't find any casual Christianity in this book. If you're looking for a place that puts no demand on you as a believer and no demand on you as the leader of your home and no demand on you as members of a church and no demand, then you're in the wrong place. But you keep coming back. Oh, I can be salty and hungry and thirsty. Here's what I know. I can only do it for myself. And the evidence will be, let me tell you what the evidence will be, is when we stop sitting back and watching and giving the occasional amen. It's when you start moving. It'll be when you start praising. It'll be when you start worshiping. It'll be, it'll be, when, you, it'll be when you get in the river. And you can't get in the river on your butt. I don't know if you're supposed to say that or not, but I did. You ain't going to get in the river sitting on your backside. You ain't going to get in the river with two hours on Sunday morning and never a thought besides bless my food through the week. You ain't going to get in the river by watching the news. You're not going to get in the river on accident. It's going to be a determination Heather and I were texting back and forth last night about some of our kids. I just be real vulnerable. 
because I have the same concern with my own as you have for yours. I'm thankful when Brandon stands stirred about a life change. I'm going to tell you, if people aren't stirred about a life change, their life is probably not changed. Did you know that? If you're not stirred, you don't remember, I remember. Uh, I love, that's why I say it all the time. I love that one Charity Gale lyric that says, I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I'm never emotionless about how, who I used to be and what he's done for me. Old timers, it's on my mind more now than ever. And week to week, and week, when I see, when I sit and look back at teenagers that are more interested in the pretty girl beside them than they are the things going at church. When I look at them, that they'd rather be asleep somewhere, and you can tell it than they when they when they whenever you preach the truth of God, and there there's a half yawn, half eye roll, and it's not just them. It's a, but I notice because I I re, I am not. Listen, hear me. Somebody's going to have to make up your mind. I am not going to heaven without my kids. I'm not going to heaven without my kids. And that means that you're going to have to preach truth and you're going to have to stand against what's wrong. You're going to have to tell them no. You're going to have to tell them why. And but more than any of that, you're going to have to pray. And you're going to have to fast. And you're going to have to get hungry. And don't expect a worshiper when you, when you don't worship. You lead by example. Believe me, they're following. If you can't praise God, why are they going to believe that there's a God to be praised? If you can't worship a holy king, how are they going to believe that there's a holy king? If you don't see you in a book, they're just going to believe it's a 2,000-year-old book. That Who can learn anything from that? Nobody else. Nobody else is going to stand in the gap for my kids. Do you understand me? Because I'm talking to you. If you're expecting, I said, I pray for my church family, I'm your pastor. But if you think I can do more for your kids than you can, can I ask you a question? It's kind of rhetorical, but I wouldn't mind you, Presbyterian nod. Do you realize I'm passionate for your children? Do you realize that I sleep on your children and I wake up with your children, not just mine? Do you realize there's some of you that I want to literally slap you in the face because you won't wake up? Now, how transparent could that be? That I want to shake you. And I want to, some of you times, I want to punch you in the nose. Not because I don't love you, but because you're being stupid and you won't wake up. And I care more about your kids than you seem to. The school has them more than you do. They do. Oh, I know. I'm always saying something about school, and some people are going to get upset with me. Are you saying that you think everybody should go to Mad Christian Academy? Have I asked you ever to enroll your kids in Mad Christian Academy? Ever? Is there one person in this building anywhere? 
Jason, you're on staff, and Katrina teaches here. Have I ever asked you to move your kids to Bad Christian Academy? Never. But I've asked you to pull your head out of the sand to think you don't have a good school. Oh, they may not be knifing in the hallway and everything like that. If you think everybody at your school, whether it's at LCM or Vider or Orangefield or Orange or anywhere, if you think that staff is, is believers and Christians, you're crazy. If you don't think that they have the same curriculum being, uh, being pushed in by the same state with the same programs, you're nuts. Your, your head is literally in the sand. Do I think everybody can pull their kids out of school or homeschool? I don't. But I do think everybody can be aware. Everybody in this room should be talking to your kids every day. What'd you learn today? Nothing. Yes, you did. What'd you learn today, boy? What'd they teach you today? Let me see your homework. Let me see your science book. There's a novel idea. Let me see your science book. Let me see, let me see your social studies curriculum. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if, you ain't, if you're not praying for them every day, and praying God's hedge of protection around their, their physical body and their mind. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm talking about, do I? Hey, I, I believe things are changing because people are getting tired. They're, they're state after state after state giving people their money back so they can educate their kids. But it's more than education. It's knowing what's going on in their life. Listen, at 12.07, let me tell you some things. In Stillwell, Oklahoma, Assembly God preacher friend of mine had a granddaughter in a school that they were putting boys in her bathroom. You can call them whatever you want to, they're boys. You can fall, if you're going to, the problem, if you, if you ever fall for the line of calling boys girls and girls boys, then you're a fool. That's right. and, you, and, and you are beyond hope without Jesus. I want to tell you, you are beyond hope if you fall for that. You can't, you don't, you don't be mean to people, you don't reject people, but you reject lies. And there's never going to come a time when a male's a female or a male, or female's a male. Period. That's right. Period. And when we're sitting back, they're, they're going to accept it. They are accepting it. Believe me. I'm talking about MAG Church kids and MAG Christian Academy. We've had to fight it here. They accept it. Assembly God Pastor in Stillwell, Oklahoma. That's not exactly L.A. To go to the school board in an area where there's three other AG churches, not to mention the other evangelical churches. Do you know how many pastors would go with him to the scoreboard and fight that fight? Zero. Not one. Their own town, their own kids, their own community, one man with the backbone to face the scoreboard, the media, the onslaught, the crowd to say, it's not happening. He called it and they said, no, I just don't want to get involved in that. I hope you're hearing me this morning. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've hewn for themselves cisterns, 
broken cisterns that'll, in the name of love and tolerance, we've hewn systems that won't hold water. Let me tell you something. God will never love beyond the truth of his word because the truth of his word is love. You cannot be united with a lie. It's not possible. How can any two walk together unless they agree? And what you don't stand up against, you will lose to. I don't think y'all heard that. What you don't stand up to, you will lose to. Word of God says, I search for a man. God said, I search for a man. I search for a man that would stand in the gap, that would make up the hedge. The gap was in the wall. The gap was in where the enemy could get in. The gap was what protected people. The gap, he said, I, I, I search for a man that would stand in the gap, that would make up the hedge. But you know what God said? He said, I, I, didn't, I didn't find any. But in Isaiah chapter 58, it starts out, cry loud and spare not. Then he goes into, is this not the fast that I've chosen? It says it will break the bands of wickedness. That it will break the snares of the oppressors. And it says that when you, when you walk in this, he says, then your light shall break forth as the dawn. He says, then you shall be called. You shall be called. Remember, search for a man to make up the hedge, stand in the gap. He says, then, you know what it says? You shall be called the restorer, the repairer of the breach. I'm telling you, God's looking for somebody who will be the repairer of the breach. I'm not in a hurry. I'm never in a hurry to get out. I'm in a hurry for the truth. And I'm begging. I am begging week after week. I can't turn the page. I can't flip the record. I can't. I can't. Because that's not the message of the day. I'm begging for people that will get hungry and thirsty and that will stand in the gap for their kids. Jason, I'm not going to lose them. I'm not going to lose them. I'm not going to lose them. That's a youth pastor. I'm not, gonna, I'm not willing to lose y'all. I don't care how old y'all think I am, how stupid y'all think I am. I will pray until the smirk comes off of your face and tears come in your eyes. That's what I'm going to do. I'll pray until they quit rolling those eyes, until heavenly conviction comes into them. And I won't quit. But I can't do more for you and your family than you're willing to do. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We're up against the, the powers of hell. And in the last throes of the church age, and it's going to take a resurgence of the apostles' doctrine. It's going to take the power 
of the Holy Ghost. Nobody's going to pray for our kids like we will. My kids won't pray for my kids like we will. Your kids won't pray for themselves like you will. You know, they think they know everything, but they don't know anything. They hadn't even began to see. And you got to consider something else. They don't even know what a different world looks like. They don't know what a world that's not full of filth and disaster looks like. They've never seen it. But they've also never seen, we are a generation or two past any form of a move of God. And Jesus changes everything. Stand with me all over this place. Church, hear me. Jesus changes everything. The power of the Spirit changes everything. Quit chasing every goofy doctrine. Quit chasing every goofy new book by some goofy so-called apostle. I, was watching, I looked in the ad the other day and had more apostles than, than the Jerusalem Council. Oh, I could take off, but it's too late to start on that. Do I believe in the office of apostle and prophet? You better know I do. But whenever you have a slate that has more apostles than they had Jerusalem for the Jerusalem Council, you've got a, a meeting of wackadoodles. I can tell you that right now. Brandon, tell me to shut up. I was looking at one the other day. had a church about 40 miles up the road in Louisiana. It's the quickest I've ever seen him tear a church apart when he pastored there. I mean, he took it from 150 to zero in about two years. And that's his third one. I mean, it usually takes him a little longer than that. But then I saw him on a poster as apostle so-and-so. I thought apostles build up the church and set it in order, not destroy it and tear it down. Somebody hear me. I'm trying to open some people's eyes because they go around with a stupid title. I'm going to tell you, if you walk in the office of an apostle, people will name you. You won't have to name yourself. You walk in the office of prophet, people will name you. You, don't have, you won't have to name yourself. You can put it on your card or not, but you won't have to, you won't have to, build, you won't have to print the flyer. I'm, bringing, I'm calling the church world home. You want to know what I'm doing? I'm calling Mag and the church world back to the book. Because it's not going to be in the latest seminar in Redding, California or anything else. It's going to be when my, if my, when my people hit their face and humble themselves and pray and turn. That's what it's going to be. Father, we need you today. All across this place, from front to back and side to side. All I can do is obey and preach your word. If your spirit doesn't touch their heart, then it's just another sermon, another message. But oh God, if you will break through the hardness, if your word and your spirit will pierce through and lay us open, lay us bare in your presence, and let us see the condition that we're walking in. And Lord, let it drive us to our knees. Let us be willing. The old timers used to say, let us be willing to pay the price to see a revival, to see a change, to see a breakthrough, to see your spirit poured out in the house. Lord, that there would be the sound of heaven fill this place. And that the anointing would destroy every yoke. 
It's then and only then. It's then and only then that you'll make it, that you'll change our situation. There's no call I have today other than this from right where you're at. Would you spend 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes right now in your own, you, listen, I've never seen anybody baptized in the Holy Spirit that didn't open their mouth. It won't happen. And I've never seen a cry out to God from silence. It won't happen. And without depending on your pastor, would you in 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes, would you just make a cry to God from you to him? God, I got to have you. God, I need you. God, in this house, this house, in my house, in my personal life, and in, in, the, in this house at Mag, Lord, would you pour out your spirit in my life? Lord, would you pour out your spirit in this room, in this house? Lord, would you stir us with a stir that cannot be contained? Lord, would you break through the hardness of our hearts? Lord, would you break through my, into my children's life? Would you break through into my kids that know the truth? They were raised in the truth. They were raised for the truth. But Lord, would you, would you bring them back to a place where they know they can't make it without you? That they can't even walk. The old song says that I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, would you pour out your spirit? Lord, would you send the rain? Lord, send the rain. Lord, send the rain into your house. Lord, would there, let there be a unity of your spirit that comes together that there would at one more time be a suddenly there came a sound from heaven moment. Lord, would there be a time that it filled all the house where they were sitting. Lord, it says that they all were filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Lord, would you, one more time, that should be the cry of our heart, church, is one more time. Would you ask him, Lord, one more time. Lord, one more time. Ask him one more time. I tell you right now, if you've got to leave, leave. One more time. One more time. If you come just to go to the church routine or you've got a place to go for lunch or your own medicine or a meeting, that's fine. Slip out reverently. Slip out. But one more time. One more time. Ask him. Ask him one more time. Ask him one more time. Church, we gotta have him. We gotta have him. It's gonna be, he said, I don't, he told the Old Testament, he said, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your feast. I don't want, I don't want, he said, I want you. I don't want your songs. I don't want your, he don't want our music and our worship if we don't, if he don't have us. Offer yourself, it's a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. God help us. God help us. God help us. Let him move, church. There's some of you that if you don't pray and fast, your spouse is never going to get saved. There's some of you that if you don't stand in the gap, 
that you see we're supposed to take the gospel and carry it yes it's their responsibility but it's, he, gave, he made it our responsibility too it's our responsibility to make up the hedge it's our responsibility somebody's got to pray somebody's got to fast somebody's got to cry out I'm not going to stand before God and he say, I've never heard your voice. I'm not going to stand before God and say, I've never heard from you. You never asked. I'm not going to do it. Will you ask him? All over this house, will you ask him? Will you get serious? We got to have you. We got to have you. We got to have, a seminar is never going to do it. A conference is never going to happen. The latest book is never going to work. Hallelujah. Move in this house. Hear the cry of our heart. Listen to me, when I was reading the book of Judges, whenever God would give them a judge and give them a lifetime of peace, and it says when that judge would die, that the people immediately would turn their back on God. And God would, would allow nations to touch them, to come against them. And when it looked like they couldn't go any further, over and over and over and over, listen to what the, what the Bible says, listen to me. Because it's a desperate hour we're in. Every time, Every time it would say, and the people of God cried out. And the people of God cried out. And it says, and the Lord heard them. When does it change? When the people of God cry out. When the people of God cry out. What in the world difference does it make if we're full and need multiple services if nobody's hearts changed and kids go to the same place, go, go to the same hell whether they come or don't go? And the people of God cried out. It doesn't matter how talented our kids are if they don't know Jesus. It doesn't matter if they didn't go to jail. I think sometimes the goal is just that they don't go to jail. That's good. But what in the world good does that do if they don't know Jesus? You want to change the world? And the people cried out. Mag, are you hungry at all? Are you hungry at all? Would you cry out? Would you cry out for yours? 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 God help us. 